Hello everyone um, and welcome back after a fair old break to the latest episode of the See Me podcast. We've got uh, our full season two of the podcast coming up in, oh, well hopefully not too long, but we've got a special one-off episode today to mark Time to Talk Day. Obviously an important day for talking and podcasts is talking, so we are talking and I am joined today not by my previous co-host Dee, who has now moved on to Edinburgh University, which is very exciting, but now with Lindsay, our new senior comms officer. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, Nick. Lovely to be here. <laughs> you sound very official there. I, I, I am. <laughs> yeah. Trying sure. to spread, trying to spread rumours here that I'm anything but official, I am. Uh. That was like a whole side of Lindsay that I've never seen before. Like she wasn't even from Airdrie. <laughs> I am and I'm proud of it. As I said at the top, yeah, it's time to talk day today. And we've been so excited this year by the amount of people that have been getting involved. Obviously, it's been really difficult with uh, all the COVID restrictions to really be able to get out and do time to talk day as we normally do and have people out and about talking to each other at events but we've had over 260 different organizations schools workplaces getting involved and hosting activities all over scotland and it's so important for us really that people are doing this because we did a bit of research for the day as well that found that one in four people were struggling with their mental health for the first time since the start of the pandemic have yet to have a conversation about it so there's people who've been struggling for the first time and they're and they're not talking about it obviously it's really important that people do and Lindsay what why do you think like did that stat surprise you why do you think it's important as well for people to be kind of taking that on board and thinking about those who might have started struggling during this period I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by the stats. We did find that the main reasons people were given us for not talking about it were that they, they thought, well, everyone else is having a tough time, so what makes me any different? And and people just didn't feel comfortable talking about it. So I, I think all of that's shown us that Time to Talk Day is probably more important than it's ever been. And it's, it's great to see so many people getting involved and, and doing their bit for it this year, despite all the challenges that, that we're facing with organising events and socialising and all that kind of thing. So it's been really, really heartening to see folk doing their bit and getting involved. Definitely. As your first time to talk day as well, did you find that you were surprised by how many people were engaged with it and how many people were keen to get involved as well? Do you know, I wasn't because I, having where I've worked previously, we've been involved with time to talk day. So it was always on my radar. It has been really, really lovely though. Like, cause I, I manage our social media channels. It's been really nice seeing all the, the events and activities coming through this week on the run up to the event. So it's been, yeah, it's been great. It's very exciting. It is. And I mean, as we know, we've talked about it loads on this podcast and it's what the reason that CME exists. Stigma is still around and stigma still exists towards mental health there is loads more conversations happening now a lot more people talking about it which is really good to see because the more conversations we have the more difference that we can make but that doesn't mean that behaviors are fully changing people are still treated unfairly they're still treated differently especially in in schools and in workplaces and in health and social care areas that see me have been focusing on for quite a long time to really make ongoing and sustained change there and one thing this year that time to talk day as well is really focusing on is the importance of listening too not just talking but actually really listening to people and that's a bit of a different thing than what we've done in, in previous time to talk days 
Lindsay, have you seen that, especially with our kind of volunteers, the people that we work with, that importance of listening really being reflected as a vital thing for them? Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, all the volunteers I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks, they've all said that they really appreciated the fact that we're talking about the importance of listening as well, because it's all good and well encouraging folk to open up. But if nobody's sitting there willing and, and ready and able to really listen to what they're saying, um, it's, you know, it's only half a conversation you're having. So I think it's a really great focus for us to have this year. And, and hopefully it's something that we'll be able to talk about through the See Us movement as well, is the importance of being that, that supporter and the person that's there to shoulder some of the, the load for folk as well. And a brilliant mention of the See Us campaign too. I get that clang there of remembering. Yes, it's a, a way that after time to talk, Dave, if you have got involved today and you've really found that it's inspired you to make a difference, if it's the first time you've done something, if it's the hundredth, the See Us section of the website's got loads and loads of tools and resources to help people get involved and to do stuff and to take action. Two people who have been doing loads and speaking to our volunteers who have been really active are, are Tommy and Angela and they're chatting to us today as part of Time to Talk Day and, and having a little chat too. So here is Tommy and Angela. So first of all, I guess I'll go to you Angela first. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, thanks. Um, life is good at the moment. Um, lots of self-care. Lots of self-care. So yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Good. Brilliant. And Tommy, how about yourself? I'm doing absolutely great, thanks. I'm looking forward to this podcast and hopefully it can raise awareness and let people know that it's okay not to be okay sometimes as well. Yeah, fantastic. And I guess on that, Tommy, that kind of something that CME says a lot, and it's a message we hear a lot around mental health and the kind of idea that not that it's fine if you're struggling because that's all right, but more the case that if you are struggling, that there's nothing wrong in that, that it's okay to tell someone that you're going through that. And the theme for this year, the Time to Talk Day, is however you do it, however you have your conversation. So I'll start with you then, Tommy. Like, what? How would you start a conversation on mental health? How's the kind of preferred way that you find to talk about it or the easiest way to talk about it? I feel it's just having anybody that you can actually speak to, whether that's a family member or a friend or anything. And luckily enough, there is a lot of support online now. But just really, can I, if you ask somebody and you know somebody that's struggling, just asking them if they're OK, I think that's the biggest conversation that you can actually have because that's powerful in itself and try to be there for them and support them as best you can and let them know that it is okay for them to open up to you and let them know that you're how they're feeling and that they're going to be listened to which I feel is the most important thing to be listened to great point yeah and uh, yeah listening is another key thing mm. that we wanted time to talk today to focus on this year Angela is that something for yourself as well you think is really important yeah I'm just thinking of of what Tommy's saying about you know just ask people how they are for me I often I ask people twice because because they often you know it's like how are you and and but we all do it fine yeah, yeah. and I'll and I'll go how are you really you know and and that kind of like let, let, that lets them know that I, I'm I'm not just asking out of, out of you know the social norm and out of politeness I'm asking because I genuinely care and and like you say I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to listen and and I find that, that that helps open conversations by asking the question twice. Yeah, do, do you find that people react differently the second time when you ask the question? Often. Not, not always, but but more often more often than not. Yeah, it's, it's, and it almost takes them aback because they're not really, they think, you know, they think the first answer is going to be accepted. <laughs> you know, whereas, whereas um, and sometimes they can be quite taken aback that I'm, I've asked them again. 
Um, but but it's opened up a lot of conversations and and given me opportunities to just you know help people and direct them and and let them know that there is help out there and there's lot you know because if you if you don't know if and especially for the people that are suffered for the first time in the pandemic and things you know if you don't know what services are out there um you, you need to be having the conversations so that you know we can all share these kind of things with with each other yeah and it's a simple thing to do isn't it just to ask the same question for a second time um it's not something that means that you have to be like a real expert or anything like that it's just showing that you care and, and that you're interested and that's a big thing that time to talk day is here for um and to start these conversations if you've not had them before to maybe do it for the first time if like you guys you're having these conversations a lot to kind of use this day to chat as much as you can um it's a really important thing tommy you've been involved quite a few times in time to talk down and done different things why do you think it's important well i think it's really important because everybody suffers mental health it's part of everybody's day-to-day life and there is that still stigma around it unfortunately especially serious long-term mental health issues there is a, quite a lack of understanding around it we have had it like angela spoke about there we've had an awareness of mental health in general during the pandemic but that's mostly i feel anxiety and depression and things like that and stresses of life that people don't understand long-term mental health issues so really raising that awareness showing there's that recovery is possible as well but at the same time you can be suffering with these things all your life and you can still lead a really normal life and be part of workplace and things like that and lead a really healthy life but there is that lack of understanding I feel the more we talk about it the more it's going to let people open up about things and Part of the biggest process, I feel, is opening up about your problems and saying that you're suffering and actually getting the help you need. But if you can't open up about it and talk about it, that stops you getting the help you need. So time to talk days is a big, big part of that. And hopefully that does that. And I feel for me, it certainly did. Really interesting point around the, I guess, more complex, enduring, severe long-term conditions. Um, do you think that they are, I mean, Angela, do you think that those ones are, there's a bit less understanding, there's less conversation around those and that that's an area where a day like Time to Talk Day can help to start breaking down the barriers and starting conversations around perhaps some conditions that aren't spoken about, perhaps like openly in the public as much as some other. Yeah, I think Tom has a good point that people people are, have raised their awareness on things like anxiety and depression because they've possibly been touched by that in the pandemic. But for, yeah, it's it's, it's almost like, it was great that, that these people started to have an understanding of, of some of what people go through, but then life kind of opened up a bit, you know, and, and went back to semi-normality for them. But they've, and maybe the anxiety, depression, you know, has lifted. But for the people that are living, like Tommy says, with long-term enduring mental health conditions, um, that's a, it's like a whole different story. And and I, I would say that I, I think I agree that the the most stigma is around around the the more serious long ter- term ones. It's like we're I think we're all, I think we're all comfortable. Well, most people are comfortable talking about anxiety and depression, but you know, bring out some of the the more severe mental illnesses, and and it's like oh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I I agree with that. What do you think could be done to change that? Like, what is there anything specific do you think um, that could make a difference that could really help that? I think with with the involvement we have through through CME and the opportunities you give us, 
it's like every time you give us an opportunity on an opportunity like this, you're giving us a chance to show people that we are perfectly like normal functioning people, you know, that, that we, we, we live with a mental illness, but but you give us a chance to show show people that it's nothing to be scared of by doing things like this. I think that it's all, so it's always breaking breaking down stigma and breaking down barriers. And people are often surprised when I when I if, if I share with them that I suffer from a serious mental illness, but and, and it's always like, well, you don't, you don't, you don't seem ill. You don't seem like because I'm managing it. It's managed very well with medication and then my own, you know, well-being strategies. But but it lets them see that it's it's nothing to be scared of. I think it's really about changing the media narrative, unfortunately, because the media does put a bad spotlight on these things, and it's about us raising awareness and hopefully the people that are suffering for these things speaking about things. That's hopefully changing that. And like Angela said, CME's actually doing that and giving us a voice because our voice has not been heard, unfortunately, in the past. But due to CME, that, that's been really raising awareness as well. Definitely. And sorry, I just wanted to ask you as well about something that, that Angela said there. I thought it was really interesting, Angela, around sort of living with a mental illness, but having sort of the techniques and strategies to manage that and to live a really I guess a fulfilled life and to be able to do what you want as well do you think Tommy that kind of understanding that you can experience a mental illness but you can manage it and live your life and as, as you said Angela not seem like you've got that um to someone who doesn't really understand it do you think that these types of knowledge around these types of things that people do would help to change the way people think as well if you kind of know that people it is a part of their life, but it's one that they can manage and they can still do loads of other stuff as well. Because I'm not sure, personally, that's massively understood. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't think there's an understanding of that at all. But people, like I say, unfortunately, there is that media narrative. And I think that that's what's been really been pushed into society. And people don't know how to best support people and how to actually manage it. So there needs to be more done in the workplaces and schools and universities, things like that all over life, really taking a raise awareness and get in and early and try and help people. I feel that that's really important. Yeah, Tommy, I think what you said there around um, that is really interesting. And I guess some a good time to mention as well, some work that we've got going on. We're working on something called the Scottish Mental Illness Stigma Survey at the moment, which um, is a, a survey really trying to find out about the kind of specific experiences of stigma and discrimination for people who experience mental illness. So some of the kind of more complex long-term conditions and off the back of that come up with some work and some projects and some ideas of how to change this it's an area that perhaps should have been addressed more but hasn't been quite as much as some other areas um, and one that we're really keen to make a difference in so if you are watching or listening this and uh, listening to this and you're interested or that sounds interesting to you um, then definitely check it out on our website and um, there's a link there to the stigma survey and you can find out more um, and hopefully get involved and help to make a difference in a really a really important area um as is just the sort of generally talking around uh mental health and time to talk day and something else that we've found through our research um is that 44 percent of people in scotland have said their mental health got worse during the pandemic which is something we touched on earlier about people who have struggled more um Angela, for yourself, like, what's how is it the pan? Has this like last two years essentially been for yourself? 
I always feel guilty when I tell people about my experience in the pandemic because I know and sympathise genuinely how, how some people have struggled with isolation and things. But um, for me, I have a people don't believe this of me, but I actually have a lot of social anxiety. So when we went into lockdown and stuff, all my social anxiety disappeared because we weren't allowed to be in contact with people, you know, and, and everything was online and I was much more comfortable, much more comfortable online. So I kept myself busy with, with all kinds of workshops and courses and, and writing and, and, and I, was, I was in my element. And then when they came out of lockdown, <laughs> I cried for a week because I, I had to go somewhere to do some volunteer work. My volunteer work started to go back into in person and the anxiety hit me. It was like, oh my goodness, like when I got, I was sat in the car park for about an hour before, before I went in to do, to do the job. And um, I was in tears and I, and I thought, and all I thought was, this is, I've got to deal with this again. You know, I've had two years of, of not having to cope with this anxiety, but, but I'm not somebody that's going to give into it. You know, it's like, I will push through it to participate in life, but it's still a horrible thing to, to have to push through to, 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 to get something. Um, so I would say the pandemic itself was wonderful for me but coming out the other side has is, is causing a lot of anxiety and, and 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 when we went just at Christmas there kind of back into online stuff I was like a little sigh of relief <laughs> you know so um I, I like the fact that we're going forward with a mixture of both um that seems to be the way way organizations are going forward and that and I, I'm, I'm really pleased about that because when we were to go out into the real world permanently again it was it was it was not a good feeling for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what that show, I know you said about sort of feel kind of bad saying that in some ways. Actually, I understand why you'd say that, but I guess it really shows as well that what was normal before wasn't like, that wasn't a great, that wasn't great for everyone. And the, like everyone's mental health, I guess, is different. Every person is different and it react and will react different in certain situations. And there can be like, yeah clear definitely comfort in being able to have sort of different social boundaries that don't then trigger mental health problems or various parts of mental health problems as well and it's really and again it's something that kind of everyone assumes everyone wants to get back to normal everyone wants to get out there everyone wants kind of the world to go back to how it was but maybe that that yeah that didn't work for everyone and there's maybe other ways we need to look at to help people tommy what about yourself how have you been over the last while actually much like the same as Angela, I, but what a lot of people don't understand, I actually suffer like social anxiety as well. And during the first lockdown, obviously, I was basically at home and things because I wasn't back at work at that point. But I will say, for me, being at the place I am with my disorder recovery, fully recovered, it's totally different from what it was before because a lot of people with eating disorders, their eating disorders actually got a lot worse because they were socialized isolated didn't have the support network so I feel if it had been maybe four or five years ago that situation I would have probably ended up relapsing and probably back in hospital but for me I had probably takes us back to earlier on what we're talking about about developing kind of coping skills and understanding things that I've kind of done that over the years. I'm glad we kind of both made that point as well because it is a counter one to a lot of the stuff that we hear around this too um and important for people who other people who have felt like that to know that they're kind of maybe not alone in feeling like that or it's quite hard I think to explain as well when everyone else then kind of wants to get back out there and go back out and do stuff that you've then you actually find that more difficult and perhaps also like I know myself I found it like 
I'd, I'd not great with socializing on zoom but the more i've not been out and about doing normal stuff the more kind of daunting that feels as well and i kind of didn't really have any feelings around that before but then the thought of kind of doing a lot of stuff now doesn't seem as easy as it as it did and there's a kind of the sort of routine you've got into which feels i guess for me comfortable then other stuff can feel kind of yeah it can make you feel more anxious the thought of doing it have either of you had any kind of really sort of standout conversations over the issue that you found have really made a difference um for your mental health and, and for how you're feeling or to really help you Angela I'll, I'll come to you first on that I'll just say that the care that I have now the the consultant makes me feel like we're working together because we have open, open conversations um you know there's nothing I can't ask we're very she's very straight talking and I like that about her because it leaves me no time to overthink. You know, I can't wonder what she's thinking. It's like she tells me what she's thinking and um, and we can agree to disagree. So I think we have I think we have a very therapeutic, therapeutic relationship because we, we can have open dialogue and and that that's definitely a big factor in helping my mental health when it comes to the, you know, the professional that's involved with my care. Health and social care is such, I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's such an important area to get right when it comes to mental health um, and ensuring that people are treated with respect, um, with compassion, that they're treated as people as well and individuals and they're listened to. Obviously, listening is important for Times Talk Day this year. That's a hugely important area to listen and one that um, you guys have both done a lot in, um, in looking at kind of types of stigma and discrimination that happen here. And, how we can combat it but yeah and good examples like that the difference people can make they're hugely important Tommy for yourself um any really standout conversations for you that have really made a difference well apart from the obviously opening up to my dad years ago about my eating disorder which I feel that was the biggest part for me but recently actually only a couple of days ago was a really big one it was my friend who's a dog groomer we were over getting more dog groomed and she spoke to me at the side. She says that she was kind of worried about me. She thought that I, I'd looked at, I was quite exhausted in things. She says, I think you're doing too much lately that you don't know how to say no. And she says, I don't want it affecting your mental health because I think that you're not quite right. That She says, I don't mean that in a bad way. She says, I'm just worried about you. And she says, is there anything that you can, I can do to help you? Can, can you come and go a day even doing something with me to get you something for yourself? And I really thought about it and I thought, Actually, I have been kind of running in adrenaline recently. I've just been kind of doing like everything and really try to look after everybody and be everything to everybody else without really prioritising kind of self-care, which I've done in the past. And that's partly because of my work and various other things that I volunteer in. But I really kind of, was an eye-opener to me that I've really got to kind of prioritise myself because if you want to look after other people, you've really got to be well yourself to do that. And I feel that that was a big thing for me. So that was massive really do you think that though sometimes those kind of more those frank conversations can actually be really helpful as well if they're coming from a good place absolutely but unfortunately i'm the kind of person that sometimes it's got to be said over and over and over and i think it's a bit like angela said earlier on it's about asking a few times i mean i've had various people that i'm really friendly with saying the same thing and it never really kind of sunk in because i just kind of put it to the back and didn't really bother about it but after a lot of people mentioned it, that really kind of hit home to me and I think that's kind of true that you've really got to kind of reinforce that and maybe keep asking and 
the same question over and over, unfortunately. And a lot of people, perhaps, that's a couple of interesting things. That's happening. One thing that we're trying to get out there more and say that it shouldn't always be the responsibility of the person who's struggling to be the one that starts the conversation. Because in that situation, yeah. you're going through enough as it is without then having to try and have what can be quite a difficult, daunting conversation. So a lot of the reason why, why people might not talk about it. Um, but then it's also a lot of people don't find it easy to ask someone how they are. Or they're worried about what the reaction might be or they might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Um, for you two, what, Angela, what would your advice be to someone um, if they don't know what to say when perhaps someone opens up to them and says they're struggling or if they think they're one of their friends, family, colleague, whoever it might be, if they think they're struggling but they're not sure how to go about starting that conversation, how, how, what would your advice be? I, th I think it, it, it really is so simple. It, it's just about asking and and making sure that you're, I think if you're going to have a conversation like that, making sure that you're fully present and and like I would choose choose my moment that I knew I wasn't going to get distracted and and, and had to be somewhere else. Like you know they could they could be mid mid sentence of of actually opening up to me and I'm like oh sorry I've got to go. You know it's like so I would make sure that I, I, I had time that that they had my full attention to so that they could open up and it just it's just about, I think it's just about making somebody once once they see that you're genuine and that you genuinely care I think then they'll. They, I would hope that they would feel a safety that, that it was safe to talk to me and um just to take it from take it from there that um you know there's there's help out there and and it's okay not to be okay and and I would just hope that they would be relieved that they had open and honest and and that it was it was going to be the start of of their own recovery. That element of feeling safe, I think, is a really important one, and to be able to provide that to someone else is always going to help them to open up and help them to chat about how they're feeling. Tommy, what about yourself? What would your advice be to someone who's maybe thinking of starting a conversation but isn't quite sure how to go about it? Yeah, that is the thing. Like, no one should ever be actually made to feel ashamed to, to tell anybody they're struggling, but it really is, unfortunately, that a lot of people don't want to open up, but we need to kind of let them know that without the fear that they're going to be stigmatised and discriminated against. So it's like Angela said earlier on, it's like try to be there for them, be present, listen to them. But there is a lot you can actually do as well. Like I say, there is a lot of great support online now that wasn't available years ago. You can speak to people that's going through the same kind of experience as you are. So I feel that that's really valuable. You've got Mind, you've got uh, the Mental Health Foundation. There is eating disorders for people that suffer from eating disorders. You can speak to people that's going through the same thing. But if they want a, what I would say, the, the biggest kind of step you can actually say to them is like, do you need to like support to help them to they go to their GP and try and get the help they need? That should be your first port of call, but just try to listen to them, listen to what they're feeling and letting them know that their feelings are valid and that they deserve to get the help they need, but it is okay not to be okay. Thanks so much, uh, Tommy and Alan Jilla, for chatting today on Time to Talk Day. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences and why you think this is such an important area. The theme for this year for Time to Talk Day is however you do it. It's looking at all the different ways that you can have conversations and the creative ways you can start it. Lindsay, what, what do you do if you're looking to have a conversation with someone, either about yourself if you're going through something or if you're worried about someone? How do you open up conversations? 
Um, I tend to be a, a, a face-to-face chatter. Um, I, I think sometimes things get lost if you're like sending a text or whatever. I've got a friend who we constantly send each other voice notes as well, which is, is quite it's quite a nice way of just getting it off your chest in the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we're kind of spoiled for choice now. I think the pandemic's made us a bit more creative in terms of how we communicate with each other. So uh, I think there's, however you want to talk about your mental health, there, there's something out there for you. It's interesting. I think um, I'm quite bad with the face-to-face stuff, actually. So, well, when it's about my own stuff, I'm really bad with making eye contact mm. with people. I'll just be like, it's like there's a fly flying around behind someone's head if I'm trying to talk about something serious. I'm sort of looking all over the place and can't sit still. But if it's someone else's stuff, then, yeah, I quite like chatting to them face-to-face. But I think I'm always one for a message I've uh, never been a fan of speaking to people on the phone for any reason whatsoever, which was, I mean, I don't know, should I have become a journalist and communications manager? I hate speaking to people on the phone. I'm not sure, um, but I've, I've done it now, haven't I? Um, but yeah, serious things, not so good over the phone with those. Yeah, I think a message or perhaps a face-to-face meet-up, definitely. Um, we also, as part of Time to Talk Day, we caught up, uh, in the build-up, to this with a filmmaker Dean who Lindsay you chatted to so yeah like what do you, I mean what why did we get involved with Dean what, what are you chatting with him about? So Dean is uh, an actor and filmmaker from Edinburgh and he during lockdown created a short film called Black Butterflies which is all based on his own experience of sort of speaking out for the first time about his mental health. Um, it's a really fantastic short film. You can view it on YouTube if you have a search for it. Um, but it's it's all based on transcripts from an online therapy programme, which, which Dean was involved with. And it's it's really, it feels really honest. And I think there's loads in there that folk will really, really relate to. It all kind of builds up to his character, Kai, um, speaking to his dad for the first time. Um, and I, I think there's loads in there that people will really, really be able to relate to. Let's uh, let's hear from Dean himself then. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, it's great to have you here today. When I first watched Black Butterflies, it, it really struck me. I thought it was felt really raw and quite brave too, because I, I know you've lifted bits of it from transcripts from your own therapy sessions, some of which I imagine you've not discussed with people before. How did it feel putting that out there? It was quite difficult, to be fair, um, but it, it was easy once I'd done it, I think, once you've jumped into it wholeheartedly. I think that's the most the, the first leap's the most important one. I think because I was I was going through a trial. Um, we we're doing like a chat room thing during lockdown, um, so that's why I had the transcripts available to me. And yeah, it was a great it was a great sort of source to have. And um, yeah, and it is what it is now. Do you think it's getting easier to talk about mental health? I, I think yes and no. I think yes. I think uh, there is more of a of an acute awareness. I think now, especially in the workplace, I think in schools, I think it's, it is getting taken more seriously. The only way I'd say no is I sometimes think it, it it can feel slightly misused in sort of media outlets. I think I think people can feel more more alienated as people have we've seen firsthand what has happened when some people have spoken openly about it in the media it can be taken one of two ways. So that can make it more difficult to talk if people are seeing how public figures are treated when they talk. So they're looking like thinking, if that person's getting treated like that, how would it feel if I if I spoke about it like that? So, but tight, it is getting a lot, it is getting easier, but I think it's, um, it's dependent on situation. I totally believe that way. I think some people will find that a lot easier because they may have a friends group who 
might understand it more but then I think class can also come into it so there's there's various obstacles for different people but I think on a whole I think we're going in the right direction but there's still still quite a long way to go. Why do you think campaigns like Time to Talk Day are important? For one it gives people the confidence to talk um, but it's also an education for people who are lucky enough not to suffer and they they know that they, they can see the signs they might they might have not realized their friend why their friend was acting that way and this provides a bit of clarity for them i think it gives people the opportunity to meet people who are in the exact same boat because there's so many of us because i remember the first time somebody explained i was on a television show and they explained what anxiety felt like in a metaphor and i went i'm not the only one and i got this this kind of i'm not this call i'm not alone kind of thing so i think days like time to talk really provide people with that sense of community and gives them the opportunity and the confidence to maybe speak out and, you know, take a bit of weight off. Can you tell us a little bit about Black Butterflies? What's it all about? So Black Butterflies is a short film that I wrote um, during the f- one of the lockdowns, can't remember which one it was, uh, where I was really, really struggling. I'd just done 14 weeks of therapy and I wasn't quite getting the help that I was, it wasn't providing me what I needed. And I feel like I needed to find another outlet to leave my troubles with. I had to get it out somewhere. So I started going through the transcripts that I had available to me. And yeah, I started writing all my thoughts down because I think sometimes I can get a bit lost in my own head and my thoughts can become a bit cloudy. And I think it starts making things up that aren't actually true. So I went, right, get everything down. It started off as thoughts on a page. And then I think I was listening to a podcast by someone, I can't remember who it was. And they were talking about living with bipolar and how they created art and how it was such a great outlet for them. And I just kind of went, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. And that's how, how it started. How close was the main character's experiences to your own? Apart from a couple of artistic choices in the film, it was all the conversations were directly taken from the conversations that I had um, from my therapy sessions. Not necessarily in chronological order, but I thought I, I kind of picked the moments that really stuck out as I could remember them and there were key moments in terms of seeing a sort of lighter future. And, and, and I, yeah, so I picked them and it was just, it was, it was really, really difficult um, to, to reread some of the stuff, but in the long run, I'm so glad I did it because it just it, it did like clarity is one of the the best things you can need at a time like that when we were in a world where we didn't know where we were going, and at that point, it was a really really important time to do it for me. I felt like it, it really didn't shy away from showing some of the kind of the harder moments about that journey towards opening up. Was it important to you to show how difficult it can be? Yeah, I think I think if I didn't put, if I didn't put the hard moments in, I wouldn't have done it. I think that they're the moments that people will really, really relate to. I think there's some of the um, some of the some of the more common effects of depression and anxiety a lot of people will suffer from. But it's the little nuanced moments that I've found, the little ones that you thought you were alone feeling, that nobody had really spoke about at the odd time. Or oh, maybe that's just me. I think the hardest bits. I think the closer I could stay to the truth, the better, because mental health is an everyday thing, and we we need to normalize these symptoms we need to normalize talking about it and talking about the more difficult moments so I, I just I feel like I didn't have a choice personally and I couldn't shy away from that so so yeah they had to be there I think 
And I think quite often in like film and on TV, we, we see people who are struggling with their mental health and just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to get help for this. But it doesn't it doesn't happen like that, does it? No, no. I, I, I think, one, because we don't have the resources as well at the moment. Not only that, it's just we do. Hence why I did the chat room um, therapies, because it was a 10 month waiting list for, for CBT therapy, unless you wanted to go private. And, you know, the, you can run up a massive bill and it's just the resources aren't available to us. In a perfect world, you wake up and decide, I'm going to go to therapy. But also, people aren't ready just to go straight there. So it's, it's tricky. The, the film kind of builds up to your character having a, a first conversation with his dad about how he's feeling and what he's been going through. Yeah. What was your own first conversation about your mental health like? It was it was kind of divided between my partner and my family, to be fair, um, with me living separately from my family. That was it was difficult because I didn't want to be a burden on something that they couldn't really do much about. So a lot of it, my I was quite open with my partner. I'm quite an open person about sort of my mental health, as everyone should be. But with my family, I I did delay it for a little while. Not not because they wouldn't they wouldn't understand because my my family are very open as well, talking about their mental health, and it was more the distance and them feeling guilty because they, they they'll feel guilty themselves because they didn't see any signs. They didn't see it and then they'll feel like oh I should have seen that so yeah I really put it off but once I did obviously it was difficult it's, n- it's never it's never going to be a, a, an easy conversation to have with anyone but once you do have that initial conversation and like I said at the start you kind of jump in with two feet it gets easier from there and there's more of an understanding and from there it does get a lot easier. We know that it's harder for men to talk about their mental health do you think there's still stigma there? Not as much but yeah I still think men have a a psychological pressure for the need to provide. And if they are not living up to that, I mean, the pandemic, it was was tough for so many people with so many different jobs and so many different sectors across this country that I think a lot of men really, really struggled. And there is still a, a thing where we need to provide, we need to do this, we need to run this, we need to pay for this. I think that pressure is is built into society. Unfortunately, it is it is getting easier. I think the conversations are starting to happen, but just just not often enough. So right. I think and it's important to check in and stuff as well. And did that stigma ever prevent you from opening up? I think I was quite lucky because being an actor and being in the artistic community, I think everyone's very open. And I, I think I'm quite I count myself quite fortunate that I'm not in a in a job where it's not alien to talk about how you're feeling and stuff and somebody going you're right what's what's you're right come on talk about it you know so I think I was quite lucky so I'd never felt personally that I was burdening anyone and I'd always I'd always ask people as well so I think I was I, I think it's difficult but I think I count myself quite lucky. What would your advice be for anyone who is struggling with how they're feeling just now? I think there's people out there who feel exactly the same as you there's so many people are not alone in this and like I said, talking is so important because depression especially, it's kind of where I got my title with Black Butterflies was because of the, there's an image in it with the clear glass of water and then the black ink. And that's the sort of, to symbolise the sort of horrible thoughts hitting the water and it clouds. I think with depression especially, your thoughts can get very clouded and clarity is, is what you need. So sharing opinions and thoughts with like-minded people who are going through, this, through the same thing is, is honestly one of the best things you can do. And it provides so much more than you think it will. Because it, it, it sounds really, 
it doesn't sound like it would make much of a difference and it sounds really difficult and it is really difficult. I'm not going to say it's easy because it took me quite a long time, but when you do it, you'll be so glad that you did. So reaching out and you'll find that familiarity with like-minded people and it will help. And I think that's what we really hope people will get from time to talk to us. It's just that initial conversation that kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, they say a problem share is a problem half. So I think that's really what this day is all about for us. Yeah. So what do you hope that people take away from Black Butterflies? I'm hoping they, they well, again, they find the familiarity with what Kai went through. I think I, I wrote it quite, not selfishly, but I wrote it from a perspective of young men. But I've had so many parents reach out, which is amazing. So I think as well as a familiarity, an education, an insight for people who are not, who are lucky enough not to feel that way for them. And they go, oh, and they gain a better understanding, which then leads to better, better educated conversations between people as well. So I think, again, just a, a, the confidence to talk, a familiarity, an education, insightful information that people can use going forward. I think, I think I'd like to use it as a, a tool for, for conversation. That was amazing to hear from Dean there and the film itself as well sounds so interesting. I've seen little bits of it, but I need to sit down and watch the whole thing because it, it sounds like it was great. How was it chatting to him? Really good, actually. Um, I, I think Dean's really open and honest. He's, as he said himself, he, he works in the arts, so he's, he comes from a sort of, probably a slightly more open working environment than a lot of people. Um, and he's just so keen to use his experiences to help other people and I think that's a really important thing about Time to Talk Day. It gives people that opportunity to not only help themselves but you never know that by sharing your story, sharing how you're feeling, it might help somebody else too, which I think is a really powerful thing. That is, I guess, the the real reason to do this, isn't it? Is to show people that it is really good to talk about these things and to try and inspire people by sharing your own stories and your own experiences and making a difference and really hope that everyone who's listening to this can take some inspiration and and depending on the time you're listening to this if it is still time to talk day um there is still time for you to get involved and to do stuff you can check out our website and get some ideas for little activities with friends with families with work colleagues whether you've got little five minutes for a a catch-up or if you've got a longer period of time there there's still be something up there and if you listen to this after Time to Talk Day, well, Time to Talk Day is just one day, but talking about mental health and having these conversations and helping to break down stigma is a really important thing to do every day. So, again, check out, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, the, the See Us section on our website. There's loads of stuff there to help you to get involved and to be part of the, of the See Us movement, making a difference as well. So, I guess a thank you to everyone who joined us today to chat to to Angela to Tommy and Dean um Lindsay to yourself as well thanks very much for chatting thank you thanks for having me and yeah as I said at the top we will be back with season two of the podcast with lots of inspiring stories from across the see us movement and hopefully that will be quite soon that we'll have that coming over to you so thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon bye bye